Gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise so much for each of the stories that are represented in this room today and online. And we are so blessed to be able to hear something of, of Graham's story right now, what you've done in his life. And uh, Lord, we rejoice in your goodness and faithfulness to, to him. And uh, Lord, we are, let our hearts be open to receive from you today what you have in store for us through Graham's story. So we ask a blessing now upon each of us and, and just give Graham peace. Use his words mightily. May there be an anointing upon his words, Lord God, and uh, calm any nerves he may have. And um, may uh, we be blessed by uh, your presence in his life. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Over to you, Graham. Thank you. I presume this microphone's working? Yes. Oh, good. Yep. Um, Troy. Troy was very helpful in letting me know how long I would need to speak. And um, also he said, oh, that would be the equivalent if you wrote it out to about two to two and a half thousand words. So I thank Troy for that. Um, somehow or other, I've got about 4,200 words. <laughs> and Harold was <laughs> saved me a lot of counting because he told me on the computer there at the bottom of the screen, there's, it tells you how many words. I was about to go counting all the jolly words. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, these computers. Anyway, they're great when they work. Um, so I've got a bit of a dilemma in that I've got 15 pages here. It's all in big font. That's why it's so many pages, so I can sort of read it in bold letters and all that sort of thing. Um, so I'll just have to skip over a few things. But, um, oh, gee, where do we start? At, at, that's it, at the beginning. Um, there, there's this famous movie which one of the songs in it says a uh, very good place to start is at the beginning, or words to that effect. And so that's what I'm going to do. So, um, yeah, I, I was very young when I was born, um, <laughs> which is what I heard... John Bloomfield um, say at his birthday celebration a few months ago. Um, so, John, you might think that I'm, I'm stealing your your quote, but there was Just many... Steal your timekeeping too. <laughs> yeah, I'm the official timekeeper at our um, men's coffee group, you know, when it's time to finish up. Gentlemen, time, gentlemen, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, that's right, I... We're talking about um, John. Born. That's right. I was yeah, born the same as John was. Yeah. Now, now John happened to say the same thing. I noticed that. I think that's what he said at his birthday celebration. And I thought, oh, I've heard that before. So, John, I didn't really steal it from you because many years ago I um, came to that um, conclusion that, yes, I was very young when I was born. And I even mentioned it in a small Bible study group that um, I was at. Uh, now, that's not the only thing that John and I got in common. Um, John's very one-eyed about life, and, um, and I, I sort of have a very narrow view on life too, as if I'm looking through a tunnel, you know? And we do see eye to eye. Anyway, John's a, good, John's a good mate. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't even started reading this yet. Um, actually, yeah... I don't know how we're going to go. But um, no, actually, I decided I should be born 
um, a, a good place to be born was in the back of an ambulance um, on Parramatta Road, Lidcombe, outside the cattle sales yards. So that's where I was born <laughs> in the early hours of the morning. Um, and many years later, Mum told me that the reason we didn't make it from our home in um, Schofields to Crown Street Women's Hospital in Sydney on time was because my hospitable dad wanted to give the um, ambulance officers a, a cup of tea before they left. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, that was... Um, so that, that's where my life began. I'm assuming there's some people out there because I can hear you laughing, but, but the bright light up there doesn't do good for my eyes, you know. Um, anyway, I'm glad you're there. Uh, that's where my life began, and basically, without reading everything, which will take forever, I grew up in a Christian family. Um, actually, our family may not have come into existence because before Mum got married, she said to Dad, I can't marry you because you're not a Christian. And Mum had been a Christian from a very young age. And um, so next thing, Dad gave his life to Christ. He gave up smoking and gave up his membership to the um, Communist Party. Um, <laughs> but he, he kept riding his motorbike with Mum on the back. And, um, but obviously it sounds like oh, he, he just did that to... Um, you know, so he could marry her, but uh, they continued their, both of them continued their Christian walk um, until their deaths at the age of 85 and um, 92. And they were very active. So I'm going to be talking quite a bit about mum and dad. Oh, by the way, Troy, can you go ding, ding, ding when it's time for me to, to shut up? Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Mum and Dad, um, they were very active uh, in Christian in Christian things. Um, we used to go to church at Schofields in a little... Well, actually, I grew up in Schofields until um, I was about 18. And Schofields just little, was a little uh, rural village with a, a school, a couple of small churches, a volunteer fire station... Uh, and a train station, um, and a, a couple of shops. I think that's about about it. And lots of paddocks and things. Anyway, on the train uh, at the train station, which we lived across the road from, you could go for rides on the on the train. The steam engine would pull it up to uh, Richmond, or if, uh, and in earlier times, it would go up to Currajong. Then, if you went the other direction, um, this big uh, what was I calling it, smoke-belching monster, would take you all the way into the big smoke in Sydney. Or we could just go into Blacktown to our nearest proper shopping centre and swimming pool. Um, yeah, sorry, I'll just have to stop and uh, try and recall things. Um, oh, yeah, so um, one of the two churches in the town was what we called the Mission Hall. And it was such an old church... Um, I think Dad's, um, oh, some of the grandparents or someone had started it up. And, uh, but this old church was built out of, uh, as a typical church shape, it was built out of slabs of timber on the outside. Um, so it looked like logs on the outside. Um, but that's my first memory of going to church and uh, we went there for quite a few years. Um, 
And so Sunday was head off to church, um, come home for lunch, usually accompanied by the um, guest speaker for that week because we didn't have our own full-time pastor. Um, they'd come back with us and we'd have lunch. And then I'd be taken back to the church for kids' Sunday school in the afternoon. And then we'd go home for an early dinner so I could go back to church with Dad at night. So it was a pretty full-on day. And uh, I think I had a lot more energy in those days than I do now. Um, Anyway, I I need to move on. Um, A group of people from the church eventually decided that they should uh, identify, like, uh, yeah, have a church that identified with an ongoing, um, what do you call it, denomination, that's it. Um, Yeah, just so people knew who this church was, what, what they represented. So most of the people in the church agreed to do this, but the people who didn't want to do it, they just stayed at the old mission hall and then um, they started their new... The rest of the people who wanted to start a Baptist church started their um, uh, services in Mum and Dad's lounge room where they continued um, until a block of land was bought at Riverston and a building was erected on it. Um, yeah, so there's the sort of involvement mum and dad had. Um, and then once the, the Riverston Church had become fairly established, then mum and dad and a few other people were talking about the possibility of starting up a Christian school. And it started off very small um, and with a couple of two or three name changes over the years, it's now developed into what is called um, Norwest Christian College, which I'm sure many of you have heard of and is well-respected and quite a large school. And eventually they sold the church building and then that uh, the Baptist church has continued meeting in an auditorium at the school property and meeting there till this day. And they'll be starting their service in about 15 minutes if you want to head off down there. <laughs> um, yeah, Mum and Dad also are involved in other things, like um, Dad used to, with some other people, used to run... Uh, gee, I'll be 70 in about two weeks and two days, not that I'm counting, um, and I noticed a difference in my memory... <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's a common thing that, yeah, it's a bit hard to remember things sometimes. Uh, a Youth for Christ rallies, they used to hold them every every month to reach out to the community. And mum and dad also volunteered for Lifeline for many years. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were, uh, from my memory, they were on call on weekends. And so any time of the night they could get a phone call, which often... We heard the phone ring late at night and then mum or dad would come in and say, we've got to go off um, for Lifeline. And um, even one night, dad ended up having to climb through a bathroom window into someone's house who was trying to gas themselves. So they had this commitment to other people that they just kept kept going on with. They were also on the board of what was called CNEC, Christian Nationals Evangelism Council, which is now called World Share. They were on the board there for about 30 years, I think. Um, 
and Dad and Mum used to take groups of people overseas. Oh, the, their purpose was to raise funds to help um, uh, Christian workers in poorer countries. And Mum and Dad used to take groups of people overseas to see the mission work that was being done by these, these Christians overseas and to see where the donations were being used. And then, conversely, um, they would bring... Every now and again, they would bring one of the Christian workers from one of these countries into Australia and then they'd stay at our house and then be taken around to all the different local churches to speak about the, um, the ministries that they were um, undertaking and, and then, then try and raise more funds by doing that. Um, Anyway, so as you can see, I, I, was in an, I was raised in an environment where there was no excuse for me not to know <laughs> what Christianity was about. And Mum even told me, I, I don't remember this happening, but Mum later told me that when I was about three years old, I went to her one night and said, I want to belong to Jesus. And Mum just said, oh, don't be silly, go back to bed. And, <laughs> no, 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 it's all right, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, no, she didn't say that. Um, <clears throat> but I, I don't remember that happening. But I, I do believe that God was working in my life um, at a very young age. And, um, yeah, so eventually, um, yeah, the way I, I... I don't remember a specific, the specific time when I actually became a Christian. And that used to worry me a lot sometimes, that, oh, you're supposed to remember when it was because it's such a significant time. But when you've grown up in a Christian family from when you were born in the back of an ambulance, um, you, I sort of felt sometimes like I was always a Christian, you know? It's just like you're born into it, that's what you are. But then I knew that each individual has to make their own decision to follow Christ or by default follow Satan. And um, so at a lot of meetings, Christian meetings that I was at where God's word was being preached, I'm glad we've got this lectern here that helps me stay up. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, at these meetings, I, I often felt challenged and, and um, I'd always be saying, I think I was too scared to get up and walk out the front when they gave the invitation to um, but I, I always was, I remember saying to God, yes, I want to belong to you, you know. And I did this every, every time um, I was in one of these meetings. And I think the, the subsequent times was just affirmation of what I'd already decided, that I wanted to be a follower of Jesus. And um, then I got to the point where I was convinced that God had accepted me into his, into his kingdom and I was one of his children. And that was evidenced by two things I remember. Um, what was the first one? No, it's all right. I'll... Anyway, the one was when I went to the, um, one of the Billy Graham crusades with some friends from school. And the invitation was, was given um, for people to give their lives to Christ. And all the friends who had, I'd come with, they got up and went down the front and I felt a bit of peer pressure. I thought, oh, gee, I should go down with them, you know. Like, um, I felt a bit odd just staying there as if I was rebelling or something. 
But then suddenly I realised, I, I, I remembered, no, I don't need to go down there to give my life to Christ because I'm already saved. So that, yeah, I, I knew at that time um, that I, God had accepted me and I had accepted Jesus as my saviour. And um, I can't remember when, when the other time was. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, and another thing I recall is how God always seemed to um, have his protection over me. Um, in my younger years, I used to, used to drive before I became aware that my eyesight was deteriorating. Um, I drove for about 15 years and I had a few car accidents, some my fault, some not. But all up there were five um, pretty severe car accidents and I had a couple of minor injuries, you know, bruises and a couple of cuts and that sort of thing. And that was about some accidents, nothing. Um, so I just believe God had his protection over me. Um, when I was 15, uh, um, oh, that's right. Yeah, the, the, I just remembered. The other evidence of me um, knowing that I was saved was when I declared my faith in public by um, baptism at the Baptist Church at Riverston. And that was when I was 15. Um, yeah, so that was a sig significant time for me too. Um, yeah, oh, well, one of these car accidents, I was a passenger when I was 15, um, going out to a church camp out, just out along Annan Grove Road, not far from here. Um, and a, a guy who was a few years older than me, like in his 20s, he was driving. Anyway, um, we came across this fairly sharp bend in the road and um, he hit the brakes, the car skidded in the gravel on the side of the road, we hit a big dirt bank and it flipped the car upside down. And um, yeah, that was, yeah, I'll never forget that. And oh, by the way, um, the car ended up upside down. Fortunately, we were both wearing seatbelts and compulsory wearing of seatbelts didn't come in for another two years, but fortunately we had it on because it was a fairly violent um, crash. And, um, oh, by the way, oh, and neither of us were injured apart from, oh, I had aches and pains for the next week and I cut my finger. That was, that was the extent of it. Um, oh, by the way, if you ever find yourself hanging upside down in a car, when you take your seatbelt off, you'll fall on your head. <laughs> um, and it must have been something about me and, and church camps because um, I became part of the youth group at Riverston Baptist Church and um, we went for a camp out at Wiseman's Ferry, which was in a big old house in the town, just happened to be next door to the police station. And um, anyway, I was driving at that time and on the Saturday afternoon, we went out to St Albans um, for a barbecue. That night on the way back, um, we were driving along this windy, narrow dirt road, which was quite potholed and bumpy. Anyway, uh, I had two passengers in the car. One of them said, look, if you drive a bit faster, it skips over the potholes. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, oh, that sounds good. So I, I went faster. 
and we got around lots of bends okay and suddenly there was this bend that we couldn't get around and the car slid off the side of the road, tipped upside down into a ditch on the side of the road. And um, yeah, uh, fortunately none of us were hurt, the three of us were fine. Um, it was a bit of a scary experience, it was dark, night time. And anyway, um, my, one of our friends who was travelling behind us a few minutes later, he turned up at the scene. He actually got confused by my lights on the car were still on in the ditch and he got confused as to where the road was. He hit the brakes and started skidding and nearly went over on top of our car. But anyway, fortunately, he stopped in time and he towed us back, um, pulled us out of the ditch with his car, towed us back to the ferry. We had to cross the river on the ferry back over to the campsite. Um, unfortunately, we both had pretty old cars and when we got to the other side of the river on the ferry, his car couldn't pull my, my car off the ferry up the ramp. And um, then we saw some flashing lights coming down the hill. Someone had gone ahead of us and called a, a tow truck and they just happened to be coming down the hill to the, towards the ferry at the time we got there. So um, he hooked up to the front car, pulled us both up the hill and parked us on the side of the road opposite the police station. And, uh, um, Next morning, the police were out there having a good look at it, wondering what was going on. Anyway, I drove that car for another... I kicked the roof out because it was all caved in and there's all oil had come down the inside of the windscreen and everything, so I cleaned that off as best as I could. The exhaust pipe was bent up and blocked, so we snapped that off, did a bit of a modification, and I drove that car for another six months <laughs> until I was driving along and a guy coming towards me must have um, thought... Poor guy, he shouldn't be driving that car with a wrinkled roof like that. So he turned across in front of me and I whacked into him and wrote the poor car off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was having these... Anyway, I only got a sore arm out of that one. And um, so in spite of my bad driving habits and, and other people's um, ways of driving... God seemed to have his protection on me and I'm always thankful for that. I had, there were two other car accidents too, one in Sydney where I had a, almost my first almost new car and um, I was trying to impress a girl and taking her out on a date in this new car and we were down in the middle of Sydney and um, I turned right at some traffic lights before giving way to a car coming down the road through the intersection. Um, I must have been distracted or something. <laughs> and um, anyway, there was a big bang and then there were two cars that were undrivable. Once again, no injuries to me or the young lady. Um, I think it might have... Doing that might have marred the impression I was trying to make on her. <laughs> but, uh, and also the fact that we couldn't get to the movie that we were going to watch. So I think after the car thing was sorted out, we went and had something to eat and then caught public transport home. <laughs> so much for that. And then another, another time out at Mount Druitt, when I lived out that area, I was driving a car along that road and multi-lanes and the car next to me, a big car, I was in a little car, this big car decided to change lanes. I guess it didn't see me 
and hit me and sent my car spinning down the highway and then I hit a car which was waiting to come out of a side street. And um, But anyway, uh, once again, I was safe. And every time I had a seatbelt on, which obviously helped. So I just thank God for all these instances where things could have turned out a lot worse and um, I was protected. Um, Gee whiz, time's obviously moving on. How are we going for time? Yeah, we, uh, we, should, we should finish up, right? Two, finish up? Two, two, two more minutes. Okay. Um, yeah, basically, this eyesight problem I've got, it became evident when I was about 30. Um, and I had to give up driving about 38 years ago, which driving was one of my loves. And... Um, so that's been really difficult, but in spite of me calling on God numerous times and numerous people praying for me, um, God's chosen not to heal my eyes. Um, but I know I will have the ultimate healing when I go to meet Jesus in the air, when my time on this earth is finished. Um, yeah, and I went through a marriage breakup quite some years ago, my first marriage. Um, broke up. That was a terrible time, worst time in my life. Um, but God sustained me through that. Um, yeah, there's quite a bit more I could say about the two great children I've got who live in Queensland and, um, and about my second marriage, which is well and truly made up for the first one, to thanks to Coralie. And... Uh, <laughs> And just to quickly finish off, I almost didn't meet Coralie. Um, I was booked to go to a Christian singles weekend and on the Friday afternoon when I was due to be picked up by some friends and taken there, I was on the way home from work, flicking through a real estate magazine, suddenly there was a picture of my ex-wife and her new husband looking back at me off one of these pages that were in real estate. And I just, it was like a knife in the in my heart, and I got home to mum's place where I was living at the time and said, I'm not going to this Christian singles thing. I just, I'd rather go and crawl in a dark hole somewhere. But anyway, I had a cup of tea and had a talk and I started to feel a bit better, so I went there and the next night I met Coralie. It only took eight years for us to get married and we've been married for 24 years. Excellent. And praise God for all that he's been in my life and for who he'll be in the future. Before, before you go, Graham, before you go, we're, we're going to just pray for you and, and uh, yeah, just uh, give thanks to God for, for all that he's done in your life. Great, gracious Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for the blessings that each of us received in our lives, Lord God. But, uh, and we've just touched on uh, just a few of what, of what Graham has experienced of your goodness and faithfulness uh, this morning. We know there's so much more, Lord God, and so we uh, rejoice so much in getting to know Graham a little bit more, hearing some more of his story. I'm sure, Lord God, that there are things that, uh, that uh, the church family here were not aware of before till this morning, and so we want to thank you for the encouragement that his story has brought us today. Um, continue to encourage him. We ask for healing in the mighty name of Jesus upon his eye condition, Lord God, and restore his eyes, Lord God, in this life, not merely the next. Lord, um, we know that you can do anything. And uh, when we have faith in the, in the stories of where 
our Lord and Saviour Jesus brought healing to those who were blind and who had eye issues, Lord God. And I want to pray, Lord God, that Graham may experience that today, Lord God. And so we just want to um, give you thanks and praise for him. He's an important part of our church family. We're so glad that he is who he is and the encouragement and um, that he provides so many. Lord, so uh, for today we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we ask. Amen. 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 Thank you.